I'll be reading from Psalm 68, verses 4 through 6, and then 15 through 20. Sing to God. Sing in praise of His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before Him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads us out. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain. Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain? At the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord Himself will dwell forever. The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into His sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who dearly bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the Sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Good morning. Hope you had a wonderful season with your family and Christmas time and bringing in the new year. I love, I love the Christmas time. I love time where we are uh, preparing and thinking upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I love the Advent as we again reflect upon who our Lord is, God in the flesh. And I love a time where we come together as families and we celebrate and we give gifts to one another. It's a sweet time and it's fun. We gathered together uh, in California where my parents live and, and uh, had a great time with mom and dad. And grandparents are good. They spoil the kids and we like that. But we came the morning of, of Christmas morning. And it came the time where it was after we had read the scriptures and shared a little breakfast, it was time to give gifts to one another. And so it began and my wife grabbed the gifts from underneath the tree, and we like to take one at a time and and just kind of enjoy and take the moment. And so my wife grabbed a gift, and Caleb, here's for you. And then she grabbed another gift, and ah, Joshua, this is yours. Found another one. Alex, this is for you. And the kids delighted in their gifts. And then Kino went back under the tree and grabbed another gift. Ah, Caleb, this is for you. Ah, Josh, here's another one for you. At this point, I was getting a little annoyed. (laughs) Where's Dad's gift? But finally, the moment came. And there was, hidden under the tree, a gift for me. And I was so excited, and I tore into the package, and and I pulled the gift out, and I had no idea what it was. It's a button. And so I turned it on, and I pressed the button. Bad to the bone. I didn't know what to do with this gift. (laughs) 
And I kept looking at it, and, and I kept seeing my kids get better gifts than I was getting. <laughs> Didn't understand how it was to be used. And then as I kept pressing the button, the Lord started to minister to me on how to use my button. I thought, the Lord has given this to me to help in my teaching. It's a sermon enhancer, is what it is. <laughs> Do you remember that guy, Samson, the strongest man on the earth? Bad to the bone! Do you remember David when he went out and slew Goliath? Oh yeah, he's bad to the bone too. And I realized what my button was for. Given my gift. And this morning we're going to take a look at Ephesians and we're going to look as Paul leads us into an understanding of the gifts that have been given to us. That the Lord God in His grace and in His love has given to us spiritual gifts to be used to reflect His life and His kingdom, to be used to live out the life of Christ. And this morning I hope that the Spirit will, will speak to you about our spiritual gifts and what in the world are they for and are we using them. Paul has been speaking to the body of Christ in Ephesus as he speaks to us about unity in the body of Christ. And he says this in Ephesians 4 and verse 3, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and there is one Spirit. There's one Father who is over all and in all and through all. And it's a work that we are called to as a fellowship. We are given unity because guess what? You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ for those of us who know the Lord and Savior. You are brothers and sisters. And so we have a unity, we have a commonality, we have life together because we are in Christ. Now the work is, because our flesh is awful a lot of times, the work is to preserve the unity. And so as we enter into verse 7 and on, I think Paul is giving us an insight into this is what it looks like as we enter more into unity into the body of Christ. And it revolves around our spiritual gifts. Verse 7 says this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. But to each one of us, Paul makes a shift here from the whole body and to us as individuals, followers of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he's really getting at, now listen, as you are preserving the unity of the Spirit, I want you to be thinking about some things individually. It's now coming to draw on us as individuals in the middle of the body. I want you to preserve and I want you to, to keep moving towards one another and I want you to build up the body of Christ as individuals as you come to understand that you've been given gifts. Spiritual gifts. And so now live these things out. To each one of us has been given a gift to individual members. And then hopefully we'll see that our unity 
as a body of Christ, is enriched in the giving of the gifts, and our unity is enriched in the diversity of the gifts. That we're not to be the same. Unity does not mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we're all to look alike. And it's the beauty of life together is that we're different, isn't it? Don't you love that we are varied and multicolored and and we enjoy different things and we are involved in different areas? That's the joy of the body of Christ. And not to be jealous that the kids got better gifts than you, but to rejoice that God is bringing together our unity. And we are under the headship of Christ, and when we live under that, our body and the whole body of Christ grows in maturity. We start to grow up. And I know we want to do that. And we grow in strength. Here's what Corinthians 12 says about spiritual gifts. It's one of the chapters that speaks to it. And here's what it says in Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, or the spiritual gift is given for the common good. It's given for the body. It's given to to minister the kingdom of God. It's given in different forms. There are various gifts that are given. I'm sure most of you are familiar with who Mike Murphy is from San Francisco. You guys know Mike Murphy? Okay, I'll change my story. How many of you are familiar with the World Series champ, San Francisco Giants? Oh, that's right. And those of you not raising your hand, you know. We took it. That's right. Go Giants. Mike Murphy, known as Murph, joined the Giants in 1958. And he has been with the Giants ever since. Mike Murphy started out as the Bat Boy to the San Francisco Giants. And then he started to do a little work in the office, behind the scenes, always behind the scenes. And Mike Murphy ended up being the equipment manager for the San Francisco Giants. Mike Murphy's role for the San Francisco Giants is making sure that the shoes are in proper order and cleaned. He orders bats for them. He makes sure the lockers are set up and ready to go. He makes sure that the uniforms are taken care of. Makes sure everything is ready for his team, the San Francisco Giants, so that they can go out and do what they do best. But what he does best is he makes sure all the equipment is ready to roll. When it came the day of the championship, and they were giving the trophy for the World Series champ, San Francisco Giants, the owner of the Giants handed Murph the trophy and said, Murph, this is yours to give. And so Murph came up on the stage and gave the Giants their trophy. That's his role in making a team have success and have victory. We all have been given grace, spiritual gifts, all of us for the common good, for the building up of the body of the whole team, We all are to be using these gifts. They have been apportioned to us by the Lord. 
And when we start to use the gifts, our unity is enhanced. Our team, God's team, people of God, the saints in Christ, we are built up and living out his life, extending his kingdom authority in the gifts. Now look at, look at verse 7 again. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each one of us has been given grace as Christ apportioned it to his full measure. Grace here is a word is the word charis. And it's not typically a word that Paul would use for gifts, but in this context it's referring to the gifts. You have been given grace. We have grace when we were saved. We received salvation, right? It had nothing to do with us. It is not by works so that any can boast. It's grace. Unmerited favor bestowed upon us. And so God has given us grace. And we have salvation because of his son Jesus' death and resurrection from the cross. And as we believe upon him, we would have life. That's grace. But he extends it here in the grace and the, to extend God's authority on this earth. It's grace that empowers. It's grace that equips. The spiritual gifts given to you and me, to each one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, are not in our own strength. It's not some talent we have. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. I want you to think for a minute. What is your spiritual gift? Do you feel like me on that Christmas morning going, did I receive one? Or maybe you pulled it out of the box and you go, I have no idea what to do with this. What is your spiritual gift? Do you know? If you're at a place in your spiritual journey where you don't know, then let's seek together the Word. And let's seek what God has for us in this body of Christ. Because here's the one thing I want you to know for sure. You, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. And it's to to pour out the power of God, not your strength, not your ability. It's God's ability through you. That's so that God is glorified, right? Not you glorified. But to each one of us has been given a manifestation of the Spirit, a gift. Charis, grace, here used in Ephesians. And I hope the Spirit will spur you on to start asking. And husbands and wives, you have this great opportunity to do this with one another. Ask what the gifts are. And if you don't know, if you're at a place where I'm like, I'm not sure, then say, honey, what have you seen in me? What have you seen in my life? And start to, to wrestle through the gifts. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about some of the gifts that are given and what they might look like in the body of Christ. We have been given these spiritual gifts and we praise God. It is grace. It's all from Him. We get the word charismatic from this word of gifts of grace. We get grace from this. 
the charismatic charismatso we get from grace that's poured out unto us. We thank God that he gives us. We don't know why he gives us these spiritual gifts. He delights in us. He wants to use us for his kingdom. We don't deserve them. What do we do for it? He wants us to live his life out. Oftentimes when we think of the word charismatic and we think of a charismatic church, we, we go to a place that, that we think of, oh, people coming down the aisle and, and a person laying on hands and slaying you in the spirit and casting out of demons and dancing in the aisles and speaking in a tongue that you have no idea what it is. That's our imagery, isn't it, of charismatic churches. Lots of tambourines and lots of manifestations of the Spirit. and that is, These are images that pop into our brains. And we, we've experienced maybe in our lives some different, what we would call charismatic churches. Is Cole Community Church a charismatic church? You bet we are. To each one of us has been given charismatzo. We have been given gifts that are charismatzo. It's grace. To each one of us has been given charismatic. And it doesn't have to look like different manifestations. To each one has been given gifts. Is Cole Community Church a charismatic church? You bet. And now we're called to live it out. We are called to live out charismatic. God has called us to that. It's not a good understanding of charismatic being only these incredible manifestations of the Spirit that sometimes we see in these churches. It's to all of us, followers of Jesus Christ. What is your charismatza? What is it? God wants to use our lives and he's given us this gift. We have received his grace and the ascended Christ has given us a gift to serve him. And Paul says to each of us has been given this gift. See, this is the deal. I think Paul, who was the man, is trying to show us very clearly. Listen, it's not just to me. Yeah, I'm the guy bringing the word of God to you. But Paul is saying it's not just to me. To each of us, and he's all-inclusive, to each of us who have received the grace of God has been given spiritual gifts, this grace of his. It's all from him, all his power to be lived out through us. Like Mike Murphy. It's not just to the guys who can hit the home run. It's to the guys who set up the bat so that the guy can hit the home run. We're all different and unique in that. And don't ever think for a minute that you got a bum deal on your gift. Because here's what the Lord says. He says, I'm the one who's apportioned it. I'm the one who's set it in place. I know exactly what you need for the moment you need it. And you'll need my power in this situation. And I want to use you to, to tap into my power for this lifestyle and where God has you. Spiritual gifts to each of us. Some of us hit the ball. Some of us set up the bats. 
to each of us has been given this gift. And it's all from his fullness, all from the measure of Christ, which, guess what? That's immeasurable, isn't it? Paul now goes on as he recognizes, you know what? I want you to understand who the giver of these gifts are. That's not in your talent or in your ability. It's spiritual. And it's his power. And it's for his kingdom. Young and old in this room. Young and old. When you chose to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a gift that is spiritual was given to you. So I hope you're searching the Lord's heart and starting to understand who God has called you to be. The giver of gifts. This is what it says in verse 8. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives, and he gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Also that he descended into the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. The quote comes from Psalm 68, like Greg read up here. And it's an image of of a battle that has taken place. God has given an image that he is leading as a general. He, He has an invading army that is coming to conquer. And he's entered into the battle, and he has won the war. And he is victorious. And he returns to the capital city with captives in hand. And he dispenses the spoils of war to his peoples. That's the imagery that Paul is laying out in Psalm 68. A victorious king. That is who we serve. That is who we follow. This passage that Paul quotes from, and as he dives into it, to be quite honest, it is a difficult passage to understand where Paul's taking us. And I've read many different theologians and commentaries and talked to many different people, and people who you trust and, and think are good stewards of the word, they still kind of arrive at some different spots. But what happens here is I don't want you to miss the big picture. The big picture is this. The God we serve is a God who is victorious. The God we serve is a God who has authority over all. I don't want us to forget the big picture that you know what? Although this world is upside down and things are inside out, guess what? We follow a Lord who is in control and has victory over that. He has victory over sin and death. He has defeated the captives. He has authority over the universe. If you think he doesn't understand and isn't right in the middle of your situation this very moment, then you do not understand the God we serve. I am with you always, says the Lord. And what else does Jesus say? He says, I need to go so that I leave my Holy Spirit with you, who is with you always. I have authority and I have power to give you and I will guide you and I will lead you and I will strengthen you in this spiritual walk and I will help you in your faith when you have none. And I've given you gifts 
to enhance and to, to lead out my kingdom authority. It extends who I am. I am living my life through you. How cool that we get to be part of that, huh? That's grace, isn't it? Why would God choose me? Because he loves me and you. Well, what are these captives that are called out? They're, they're enemies of God. He has had victory over his enemies. That includes the enemy himself, Satan, and all those who followed Satan. I think it also, and I think Paul would say this, that he would include himself in that, those who are chained. I was an enemy of God. But Christ had victory over sin and death, and he extended grace, and I received it. And how many times does Paul say, we talked about this before, I am a prisoner of Christ. I'm one who's chained to him. I think all of us, without the Lord, are enemies of his. But he has victory over that, and he can change your life, and he can renew you. And then once he makes you alive, then he gives you life to live. The scripture goes on to say he descended. And what does it mean that he descended or ascended? What does it mean that he ascended if he did not descend to the lower parts of the earth? Well, some say that it means that he just came down to earth. Hey, he had a nice place in heaven and he came down to earth. Not such a good move. Location, 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 right? Some say that what does it mean that he descended in the lower parts means that he went down into hell. There's a passage in 1 Peter 3, in verse 18 begins, that makes some reference to a ministry in hell. It's understood that way sometimes. We don't actually know for sure. But some say he went into hell and he preached to the captives in hell between that time of death and resurrection. Another understanding is that the lower parts of the earth would be that he came in the flesh. We celebrated Christmas. Came in the flesh and that he went to the cross and he died the ultimate humiliation. And that that's what they're referring to. That Paul is drawing upon that image. And you know what? As as I've studied this passage, that's kind of where I land right now in my study of this text. I think it reflects on Philippians 2. Let me remind you of Philippians 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness, God in flesh. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And now the outcome of that, verse 9 of Philippians 2. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. 
I think Paul is drawing us to the image of what God went through in order to extend his kingdom, in order to extend life to those, us, his beloved. And you start to go, Paul, why would you choose this psalm out of all of the scriptures to somehow support this idea of the body remaining unified? Why would you choose this psalm? And speaking of the gifts that are given, what are you doing? And I think he's drawing us to a place of reminding us who our Lord is. He is the ascended Christ. He is the one who paid the price on the cross for our sin. He is the one who was resurrected. He is the one who is the victorious warrior God is victorious. And he has given us victory in his son Jesus. The outcome of all of this that we cannot forget, big picture, God wins. God wins. And because we are his children, we also have victory in life. Death will not hold us down. We have eternal life with our Lord and Savior. God wins. And that we can rest in that, that we can trust in that, that whenever we go to be with the Lord, whether it be death or the Lord comes back, We are with him. God wins. In the meantime, while we live in the flesh here on this planet, he has given us spiritual gifts to be lived out. Christ has authority over all. He's gone to the heights. He's gone to the depths. He's been through it all. He has authority over all. He is the one who gives the spiritual gifts. He is the one who understands and has lived out in humanity so that he can enter in with his people, right? He is the only one who has the power to give the gifts. It should assure us and give us confidence that the Lord is with us and he's leading us in his power, grace, gifts, so that we might have life and we might live out his kingdom. And I think we have to come to a place where we recognize how incredibly expensive these gifts were. It was his death on the cross. That's what it costs, so that he might give us life, and that he might use our lives. It was incredibly expensive. And yet he says, here, I've given you my spiritual strength, this gift, to manifest in this world, to extend the grace of God, to build the unity of the body. These gifts signified victory over the enemy. It's a furthering of God's kingdom, isn't it, in the giving of gifts? It's his authority. It's a furthering of his kingdom. You're part of that. Do you understand that? Our lives are to live out kingdom work. That means to to live out the love of God towards humanity that is broken and needs a Savior. We are the ones who live in his kingdom. We are children of his. We are a royal priesthood, reconciling people with God. And he uses the gifts to extend that kingdom. I think it means for the church that we, we start to, to reflect and use the gifts to bring forth a reminder of, you know what, this kingdom on earth 
it's, it's just a, a representation of what will ultimately be. Where everyone will say, you are king of kings and lord of lords. Where everyone will acknowledge who he is. That people will have a desire turned inside of them going, what is it all about that you're living out? And we can acknowledge it's all glory to God. I live for him and his life lives through me. I think what it means for the church in the middle of the psalm being given is, you know what? The Lord is the deliverer. The Lord came and delivered his people out of Egypt. That's where that psalm came from. He rescued his people out of Egypt and delivered them to the promised land. And at Mount Sinai, he, he was honored as holy, holy, holy. And he gave the law to his people. Paul takes God and delivering his people out of Sinai and applies it directly to Jesus. This is who your Lord is. And he will deliver you and he will rescue you and he will give gifts unto you so that his kingdom authority continues out. And we can have confidence in who he is and what he's doing in our lives. We can have confidence that he delivers us. We can have confidence that, you know what, you may seem, uh, feel like, I don't have anything to offer. Here's some confidence. He's given you a gift. And it's all of him. doesn't deal with your talent. It's supernatural. Power of God living out through you. Let me ask it again. What is your spiritual gift? If you do not know, seek the scriptures. Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, Peter 4. Seek the scriptures. Paul says in Corinthians 12, I do not want you to be ignorant of your spiritual gift. You need to know who you are in Christ. It's a spiritual reality that some of us still have yet to grab a hold of. But how foolish would it be? And it would make no sense that God would give us this gift and we would go, what a beautiful wrapping that is. And then we would set it back under the tree. He wants us to live our lives out through him. He is victorious. He has authority. And he's now moving in us. In the 2008 adaptation of Pinocchio, Geppetto comes to see Pinocchio. He's been working on Pinocchio. And all of a sudden, Pinocchio's eyes open up. And Geppetto cries out, You're alive! You are alive! And he feels his arms and his legs and he touches his nose and and he puts his hands through his hair. You're alive! And so Pinocchio doesn't know anything. He's, I'm alive! I'm alive! And he's all, Pinocchio goes, Well, what does that mean, I'm alive? And Geppetto kind of scratches his head. Well, what it means, it means you have a life to live. And Pinocchio asks the question, well, what's a life to live for? What is my life to live for? And Geppetto scratches his head again, and he doesn't have an answer. You've been made alive, Ephesians 2 reminds us. 
You're no longer dead in your sin and transgression. You have been made alive, not by the fairy, but by God Almighty, who has the power and authority to give us life. You have been made alive. And now you have a life that is worth living. You have a life now that is assigned. You have a name. It is child of God. You have a life now that is empowered by the living God who's living his life out through you. You have a life now that has worth and value as adopted into his kingdom. You're made alive. And our life has purpose. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love each other. And we are to surrender to the living God who has given us his life and made us alive. And he says, to each of us has been given grace, a gift. And I want you now to have purpose in my kingdom work and to live life for me. Only in my strength, because it's my grace. You can't do it on your own. I've given you this gift. So now receive it and open it and trust me to use it in your life. All authority under him. All to the measure. He will fill it all, it says at the end of the passage. What's your spiritual gift? Children of God, to each one of us, has been given that grace. Let's use it to glorify him. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your good word. I thank you, Father, that you gave us a gift. I thank you, Father, that you, you want to use our lives to further your kingdom. Thank you that we could be part of your kingdom work on this earth. And I pray, Father, that, that you would preserve the unity of the Spirit in this fellowship. I pray, Father, that you would mature us and that you would enhance our lives together as, as we use our gifts. I pray that we would build up the body of Christ as our gifts are manifested in this body. And so, Father, we just pray. Show us if we don't know. Stir us up. Remind us through your spirit. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are above all, over all, in all, full authority. And so, Lord, this morning to you we give all the glory. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.